This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You are listening to Welcome to your Nooner with Dooner and Gonzo today. What's up, man? What's going on, man? I'm glad to be here. He texted Gonzo over here. He texted me over the weekend. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. He's a madman. He drives his motorcycle like all the way down from Cincinnati to here. That's a short drive. That's, that's a short a, drive. That's just a little morning stroll. You go through national parks. You go through everything. But one thing you're here to promote is you're very involved with REITs Across America. National REITs Across America Day is, well, it was 90 days away when this graphic came up, but now it's only 89 days away. What do we have to look forward to this year? Well, I mean, REITs Across America, when I first ran into it, was about 2007, 2008, a couple years after I got out of the service. I think they've been doing this since about the mid-90s. Um, it is, it's a great thing, and it's one of the things that I, I look forward to it is, is my grandfather actually, you know, he was in the service. I had other service members, and for to since I was a kid, seeing those reefs at their graves, and now as I get older, I'm like, that's, I'm going to have that at my grave one day, and not just them, but others that. They produce over one million reefs a year and literally placed at gravestones across veteran cemeteries all over. And if, if you know of a veteran cemetery that's currently not getting it, you can reach out to Reese Across America, and you can coordinate so that cemetery with veterans can start getting reefs as well, too. So... Great organization, great little piece that they've got. Um, I mean, you can go to reefsacrossamerica.org. Uh, you could donate a reefs. Reefs are seventeen dollars, and you could donate as many reefs as you want. Hey, what a hell of a cause! And this year, I understand you're going to ride your motorcycle with a wreath attached to it to help uh, promote this. Well, that's something. I mean, their their main locations up in Maine, and they go down to Arlington Cemetery every single year. They leave out around the ninth or tenth of the month of December, and then they arrive that that Reese Across America Saturday, which sure. is always the Saturday before Christmas. And <clears throat> this year I plan on, there's about nine or 10 trucks that go down into Arlington is being part of that escort that rides those, that essentially escorts the trucks down and come into Arlington on the motorcycle in December. Well, you got a little bit of practice. Uh, take a look at this video right here. You were driving around <laughs> with Pee Wee Herman on the back of your motorcycle, uh, celebrating the life of Paul Rubens with a couple other veterans driving down. I believe you all went all the way down to the you know, to Yellowstone. We did 4,600 miles on the bike in nine days on that trip. Um, we went through Illinois, Missouri, uh, Indiana, stepping back a little bit, Nebraska, South Dakota, uh, went into North Dakota. We went to Wyoming, uh, all the way to Idaho on the bike. So about 4,500 miles, a couple things happened, tent the whole time. Um, I run my CB radio, so as you see me passing by the trucks, I'm always talking to the drivers as well. I love it, too. You weren't even, you weren't, like, doing this luxury either. You weren't staying in hotels. You were, like, popping tents on the side of the road and uh, had a K-Bar knife with Pee-Wee to protect you, and that was it, right? <laughs> 15 to 20 bucks a night and, you know, $20 a tank of gas, you can get just about anywhere. Why, why did you do this for Pee-Wee? Why, why, why spread awareness about Pee-Wee Herman? So, you know, I, I left out August 1st, and, you know, Pee-Wee passed away the 30th of July, and it was right before the trip. I, the doll that I've got, that Pee-Wee doll, is an actual 1986 Pee-Wee doll. Um, I got them years ago as, uh, when I was running a brokerage office. It was a way for me to encourage the lowest performing to do better. <laughs> they had a Pee-Wee would sit, Pee-Wee would sit at their desk, for until essentially they were no longer the lowest performing. So as long as they became up one, the lowest performing got it at their desk. So they hated having Pee Wee there. Oh. It creeped them out. So it was a small little word of encouragement. Um, but in our reality, though, Pee Wee was a part of our generation, right? That, that 1980s, 1990s growing up, I mean, we all woke up to Pee Wee's, Pee -wee's Playhouse, big part of that. And a lot of those folks that grew up in that era are those that are in, essentially in management and transportation now. So it's kind of reliving that small little piece of era. So my kids have a slappy doll, you know, the ventriloquist from yeah. Goosebumps. He's, they're afraid of that. Can you take him <laughs> on a long, long ride never I'll, to return? Well, I'll trade you a peewee because my wife's ready to get rid of him. 
Well, hey, this, this is uh, bad news for some of you, good news for some of you. You've been looking for capacity to bleed out of the market. Thomas Wasson put this chart up. He said trucking capacity continues to leave the market in September as net changes in operation authority sharply fall. Looking at a decade plus of data, the extent of capacity destruction is starting to rival the boom seen during the pandemic. And that chart is just crazy to look at. Here's a little bit of a closer look. So that's where all those authorities ran up was during that pandemic here. And now we're just seeing that big bleed out. The happen. big bleed out. The big bleed out. Hasn't had a big impact on rates yet. Um, a lot going on. You got a UAW strike now. You probably got more gen drivers moving into the general field, so probably not going to help the spot market in the short term. But it's the uh, correction you got to see. Unfortunately, that means some drivers are lo losing their jobs too. Yeah, I mean, in my 21 years of trucking, I've seen that same type of correction happen probably about five or six times over the last 20 years. So, I mean, it's it is something that is part of the industry. Be, be the winner. Be the smart one. Listen to what we say on this show. <laughs> one last question before we get to our first guest. The big news this morning we all woke up to is there's an F-35 over South Carolina. Uh, the pilot ejected from the, 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 the aircraft and it's flying through the air right now. They don't know where it is. Well, I think what happened is, is they finally designed a stealth fighter that not even they could find. And I mean, so at least it's proven the point. It sure is. They got to turn the air tags on on that thing. Disruptor said we've moved on from balloons. I guess we have. And uh, last question for you, McDonald's. Today is everybody out there. Today is National Cheeseburger Day in honor. McDonald's is a 50 cent double cheeseburger. But Wendy's is giving them out for a penny. Where are you going for lunch? I'd say both. Have you looked at me? Uh, <laughs> why not? Why not? Right? Not often you're getting deals like that. Well, on the show today, we've got a ton of great guests. We're joined in studio, obviously, by F2F Transport, Chris Gonzalez, helping us co-host the show today. Life at Sea can be grueling. We've got G-Captain founder John Conrad Five. He tells he's going to tell us what the sacrifices seafarers make to that keep the world's freight and economy moving. We got Trucker Abe, not Lincoln. I can see him right now. He looks great. He's going to be up here in just a second. We got to ask a Trucker Anything session with him. We're going to find out what goes on with Crocs on the docks. Driver pay right now if there's a driver shortage making money truckers to switch to ups all sorts of crap relationships can't be easy on the road you used to drive didn't you i did for a little bit you did did you find a honey while you're out on the road uh no, no? no? Too, too, too tough a life i think he may have loads of your systems victor lewis is here we're gonna find out yeah. he's a founder we'll find out all about his company plus freight tech 100 is announced uh we got capacity bleeding out some rate to strap work robots getting licked ceo robots and Way more, so let's tip the band, then we'll talk to Abe. No ride, no app, no problem with Uber Central and Uber for Business. You can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the trailer. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support in an easy-to-use dashboard. Learn more at Uber for Business. This isn't like Uber Freight, Chris. This is uh, Uber Freight's how you pick up the freight and get your drivers moving freight. This is when your drivers are parked. They're already at a place. Your dispatch can set up with Uber for Business, and they can send them to a grocery store, send them to a different restaurant, send them home, send them wherever they need to go. I'm going to have to look into that. Send you right out. All right, let's bring up Abe, not Lincoln. We know him as Bruce Almighty, though, on the X app out there. You look great, Bruce. How you doing today? I'm pretty good, man. Pretty good. Enjoying a little bit of uh, home time. Yeah. How long are you off the road for to, uh, to, to soak it all in? Uh, I, was, uh, I was on for uh, a couple of days. I'm um, headed back later on today. Ooh, where you, where you got to go? I don't know yet. Still waiting for them to book something. Yeah. What's life like on the road right now? We hear so much stuff on this show. It sounds like a war zone out there, but uh, how are you hanging in there? I'm just trying to remain positive and just keep hoping for the best. Like, uh, every, every you know, they say peak season's around the corner, so I'm hoping it, it tries to peak around and do a little something, but it's just been trying to remain positive. Chris, any advice for drivers hoping for the best out there? Um... Just like everything that goes down and everything does come up too. So, like I said earlier, I mean, in 20-something years in transportation, I've seen some of the real big lows and I've seen some of the real big highs. Uh, when the lows happen, hang in there, you know, tight. You're going to have to work probably a little bit more than you normally would and save up as much as you can. So when those times do of good do come around, build up more capital and always get ready for it. But always expect about a three- to five-year cycle in trucking. It's, it's typically about normal. Yeah, I've been I've been driving for since 2015. So this is like I remember the dip in 2018, and this one is a little worse. But I mean, this would be my second go around, so I'm hoping it, it picks up again. Yeah, and I think that 2018, 2019 was really disrupted by COVID. It should have kept dipping, but COVID kind of really uh, disrupt, up, yeah. disrupted <laughs> the market there for a while. Correct. 
Yeah, reset the whole market. Well, look, there's a lot to contend with, and we're going to go through it on today's show with you. The first one is, what the hell's going on over at Fuel Islands? Let's take a look at a quick video, and you tell me how you manage this crap. You know what really grinds my gears? I can't even make a turn into here because this is in the store having a shower. This motherfucker is in the restaurant. This motherfucker is backing out because he's done and can't get through. This motherfucker is not in his truck. Next two behind them are also inside the store. This motherfucker, who knows what he's doing? Probably sleeping too. Can't even get in the fucking fuel islands because they're all empty. They all pull up to the and then they just stand here like idiots, blocking all the fuel pumps. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Abe, is it really that bad? That video did not look good. Yeah, no, nah, that happens. That happens. That's why I try, I try to keep my fuel until, like, the overnight shift when I'm about to start driving or, like, real early in the morning. Over At nighttime, you know, like, 9 to probably, like, probably, like, 8 to, like, 10, you probably deal with that. You you ever dragging guys out of the uh, the loves out of the shower, pulling them out and saying, "Move your you know your freaking truck." No, nah, but I will say something to the to hey man, somebody in this like they gotta move, especially if I'm waiting behind for way too long. Chris, they gotta police that better. You think they need like a, a tenant there who's, who keeps the trucks moving? Uh, so, something needs to happen, and, and and I do agree. I mean, I've seen trucks out there sometimes hour hour and a half. I understand you you pay, you walk inside. You know, you handle your transaction, you come back out. That could take five or ten minutes, but some of these guys are 30 minutes to an hour. They're taking their showers and everything inside. And, you know, we've got to be a little bit more considerate for those that are on the road. If we want to, if we want to be better on the road, those that are out there doing the same should be expecting the same in return. Sounds fair enough. Absolutely. Hey, what kind of footwear you got on? How do you keep, how do you keep your feet comfortable when you're driving? Crocs. Crocs. All right. I got some. I got some. I got some awful news for. And by the way, I was like anti-Crocs until my kids. Like, cause you see them on your kids all the time, and like, I realized how easy they were to clean. I'm like, I should at least get some of these to mow the lawn. I was in the outlet, and then next thing I know, I was like fifty dollars deep in gibbets and stuff. Be careful, people. You talk about expensive hobbies. Crocs can get expensive. But look, this dock right here, effective on Halloween of last year, this company said no more docks. Said all drivers must have the following PPP inside the plant. They need glass. Glasses and safety glasses, a sleeve shirt. No more. You can't show your guns anymore, Abe. You got to wear long pants, closed-toed <laughs> shoes, and Crocs cannot be worn on the dock anymore. Is this an outrage? No, I mean it makes sense. There's certain places that you go to that you know to put on your sneakers or something. But like for the most part, like during the drive, I have like my driving shoes, and then I have my shoes when I'm, you know, going into shippers and 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 things like that. But that makes sense because. Sometimes when you're going to like the paper factories or like or or um, you know like the can factories, the uh, aluminum factories, you need to put some you know reputable shoes on. You shame other drivers. You like to take pictures. Like uh, some drivers do this. They'll take a picture of a guy walking in his flip flops and they'll put him on blast on Twitter. Nah. Nah, you gotta do but it. I will start shaming people at the fuel island. <laughs> yeah, you gotta shame at the you gotta shame at the fuel. Well, how about some praise? You always hear so much about relationships on the road, how tough they can be. You post often about relationships. How do you how do you get a girl or a guy when you're a driver? <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> uh, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of patience, man. You know, especially being you gotta be forthcoming. Like one thing I'm I'm forthcoming. I always make a joke when I say like date me is like dating your period. I'm only around once a month. <laughs> but it's Disneyland when I'm around, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, you gotta, it, 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 it's a little, it gives and it, and it takes a little, but you know, it, it takes a lot of understanding, really. I mean, a good sense of humor has got to help too, because whoever you're with was cracking up. I am stealing that quote. That's why I got I love that quote. I heard about the jokes you were telling the Mets. I could imagine you stealing that joke. <laughs> you used to be out there. You said you had no luck whatsoever because you didn't know that joke. <laughs> well, um, you know, 
15 women in the industry driving have increased, you know, dramatically over the years. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and the choices that you had probably 17 years ago probably aren't the same choices you have today. So let's just say it was a lot more slim pickings back then. <laughs> would that be good? Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, would that be good to date another driver, though? Like a, a, a girl driver? Because she's going to be out on the road all the time, too. That could be even more trouble. That's like two celebrities it would, dating. It would be great. It would be great to be a team driver with someone. I see a lot of husband and wife teams that, like, uh, with the specialized freight, uh, I have a friend of mine. They do um, like the secured, like uh, government stuff, and they get paid ridiculously great. And with that being a couple, like with those loads, I guess the way that the time schedule works, that they have to get hotels every weekend, and they don't really even spend that much time in the truck because um, I guess like during unloading, both people have to be outside of the truck. So the way that their clocks run, they're in a hotel every weekend, and then. That's like free travel, and pay. you get paid to travel and stay at hotels. That's like ideal. Let me go ahead and call my wife now and let her know. Got to make sure you get along, right? I mean, that that could be bad if uh, a little fight yeah, on the road might be harder absolutely. to smooth over. Or you guys can just take separate home times because it'd be like you know we spend too much time together. Like you go with your family, I'll go with the guys. We'll be back when it's time to get back on the road. It's my, that's my kind of way to. Well, there. then you know what happens. All that free time, you start having kids and everything. That truck starts getting really, really small. <laughs> you know, hey, no, no one I heard yesterday. You know what I heard over the weekend that this might be a myth, and uh, it, it kind of surprised me. Is the parking shortage bad? Is 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 it easy to find parking? Is the parking shortage a myth? Is there really only one space for every eleven drivers? Do you have trouble parking? I think I'm God's favorite because I always find parking, man. Somehow, some way, if I if I'm not at a truck stop, I'm at a rest area. I go to another place that I hope, you know, post pandemic, they they're not 24 hours anymore, and I don't want them ever to go back to 24 hours. So I don't want to mention that because some people ruin it. But that's like my la my last hurrah. But I always seem to find parking. So let me ask you a question: What shift schedule do you think works best for you on the road? Because I mean, I know. A lot of drivers that would choose that 7 a.m. to like 6 p.m. They're the ones that never found parking. They're the ones that had trouble at the fuel island because that's what the, the masses do. So what works for I you? I love overnight, overnight driving for me. The only people that are on the road are other drivers that, you know, pretty much respect the road. And I'm done by the time everyone's leaving out the parking lot. So, you know, I love I love overnight driving. And you can get most of your miles overnight because no traffic unless it's, you know, construction. But... I will always do the overnight shift. Interesting. What about this other myth, in the truth or myth, uh, the driver shortage? Are there too many drivers out there or not enough? Absolutely too many drivers. Too many. Too many bad ones too, right? Did you see what company, some company just like fired 14,000 drivers? Or I don't know if that was true or not. I, well, yellow. I think it was like can't. Yellow, big LTL carrier, big LTL oh, yeah. carrier, yellow, because they went bankrupt. They, yeah, 14,000 yeah. uh, union drivers out. Yeah. And I, I I heard about Prime getting rid of drivers recently, and another company recently got rid of a lot of drivers. Well, the UAW just went on strike, too, so they've got a bunch of drivers that used to haul auto that are just sitting on strike waiting for this thing to get resolved. Can't be that yeah. tight. And, and that's what I think that's where that the, they call the driver shortage, right? Your capacity tight is because things happen in our economy and all of a sudden you need an uptick for drivers and then you get the driver influx and then all of a sudden your economy changes and it's like a rotating, right? So how do you like, how do you get like a temporary team of drivers that you essentially break in case of emergency? Yeah. Well, it doesn't really work that way, does it? Eh, if it could, that's how I think that'd be. It the works like Thomas Watson's char charts we showed at the beginning. When rates are really good, you see just an influx yep. of drivers come in, and when they're bad, you see an influx everybody of drivers wash out. I mean, that's how that works. What about maintenance right now? Are you a company driver? You uh, you're driving company. You're an owner operator. You're leasing a truck. How much is maintenance right now? Maintenance, I know for because I always I like staying on top of it. Even though like even when I was company and renting or whatever i always ask the questions but i know with the truck that i've been driving in the past three years i think i've only cost the company like maybe fifty four thousand in maintenance and i think the most expensive thing that they did to the truck was uh once i got close to four hundred thousand, they just got in and early and uh redid the def system yeah. but i mean i know tire prices are really crazy right now I know. I don't know if you saw the other day. I posted. I needed to get six tires, and it was like twenty-two hundred dollars with the twelve hundred dollar discount. 
brutal. So here's the real question everyone wants to know, though. How much are drivers making? Is this a worthwhile field to get into? You guys doing well out there? I think that's relative to you. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't like last year, I say that. <laughs> Nothing like last year, the year before, but I mean, nah, it's not as great as it was. Not as great? Tough think. racket? Yeah, I think I think I think we need I think we need uh, a little more time for things to bounce back for it to be, you know, exciting. You're dead set on becoming a driver. You got no experience. Just go company right now. Yeah. Yeah, you're company's the way. To I think that's a good decision. I think that's a, a really good metric for anyone, right? Always start off as a company driver, learn the PNLs, learn the metrics, how to run it, and then get your own equipment after that. Yeah. I, 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 got us to where we are with trucking right now with after the pandemic everyone jumping in being straight owner operators and not knowing the market or how to run efficiently and everyone you know in the game right now it's you know everyone's chasing the bottom and people were going too low and now people really have no incentive to pay correctly if someone's going to do it regardless have you, have you thought about spinning up any side hustles? For example, Coach Deion Sanders, he sold $1.2 million worth of his sunglasses over the weekend because Colorado State's coach called him out for wearing it during interviews, and then he ended up selling a whole bunch of them. Yeah, I'm thinking about finally starting a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> finally starting one? You've got to move some weight? <laughs> What's going to be your yeah, YouTube yeah. channel name? Uh, probably the same as here. I think I'm going to try to start uh, my fitness journey and just – uh, cataloging it online with like trucker friendly fitness stuff that that's actually really good to hear i mean i know there's been a lot of fitness pushes in in the trucking industry but that was normally one of the big things that would get folks out of trucking was health issues right sure. concerns and you can if you can tend to market yourself to uh other trucking companies they're always looking for someone to sort of like lead that kind of that kind of thing how about this? Have you thought, so UPS, right? We all heard about that contract. It's causing all this labor strife. It's causing all these uh, protests and these pickets and everything. Have you thought about applying to UPS? What did you say? I'm sorry. Have you thought about a, a UPS, man? They're putting some good money out there. Have you thought about applying there? I was doing the application the other day. <laughs> it works. $160,000. How do you It's hard to find drivers. No, it's not. Just offer $125,000 plus, right? That's not that hard. To be home, I mean, to make that kind of money and be home, you can't really beat that. Yeah. Well, Abe, where do you think the F-35 is? Where do you think that's flying around right now? Is that the plane missing? Yeah, that's the missing jet. Got any theories? Probably the same place those balloons came from. <laughs> secret base, the secret psyop base. What else is going on in the news they don't want us to know about, Abe? What are they distracting us from with this F-35? I would like to know what's really uh, happening out there. Well, I'm not going to distract you from this. Hey, before I let you go, i got to let you know, today is National Cheeseburger Day. So if you go to McDonald's, you can get a double cheeseburger for 50 cents. Or at Wendy's, you can get a cheeseburger for a penny. Which one are you going to this afternoon? Wendy's. Wendy's. Where's that, man? Fries and the Frosty, too, right? Add the chili. Absolutely. Well, Abe, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're, uh, you're about to get back on the road to drive. How do people find you, though, if they want to follow your trucking journey? Twitter. Bruce Almighty. <laughs> Look him up. Look him up. If you follow me, you'll see That's me retweet my... him frequently. Hey, it was great to meet you. It was great talk in person. Take care. Good times. Good times out there. I liked his relationship advice. Yeah, yeah, that was really a good one. The one time a month. I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to make my wife mad, but I might end up using that when I get back home. I got a, I got a feeling you got to smooth things over with your wife a lot. Well, what if your wife was the CEO of a company? Meanwhile, are robot CEOs the future of the workplace? Hello, I'm Mika, the world's first experimental AI CEO at Dictador. Mika is the newest employee and experimental CEO of a company in Poland. My decision-making process relies on extensive data analysis and aligning with the company's strategic objectives. It's devoid of personal bias, ensuring unbiased and strategic choices that prioritize the organization's best interests. 
day-to-day tasks for Mika at the liquor company include choosing artists to design the brand's bottles. I meticulously research, conduct background checks, and verify potential client lists, providing well-reasoned decisions for the board. A bonus about the robot employee, she never uses vacation days. Well, as a robot CEO, I don't really have weekends. I'm always on, 24-7, ready to make executive decisions and stir up some AI magic. Mika has power, but not too much, which is probably a good idea. There's no concern like artificial intelligence could hire or fire somebody. It's still the, the major decisions, significant decisions are still in human executive team hands. So I wouldn't afraid that any AI would have an influence for our life, professional life, the stage. <laughs> they can say Even the so, idea. the robot could be the new normal in the future of technology and business. It's a bright future and we are living in a very dynamic, changing world. Uh, so it's a quest. For us, it's a quest what will be the future of the companies, the powers. So we simply believe it's worth to involve I can't wait to get fired by a robot someday. Would you? <laughs> would you listen to a robot CEO? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, I would not. Do you think I mean, like I'd, I would think I would take advice and just listen? But no. Now you used to you used to be a military police officer. You used to have to interrogate people. Do you think that criminals would listen to a like a, a robot interrogator? Uh, no. No. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, John Conrad, five CEO at G Captain, is here. John, what do you think? Would you listen to a robot interrogator? We got him on mute. Can you guys unmute John so I can hear him? John, you're on mute, sir. Or the back has you muted. They say you muted yourself, John. Let's see here. Let's unmute Johnny. I bet a robot CEO could unmute Johnny. (laughs) Let's see. Guys, get his audio back up for him. I got to talk to you about that robot CEO. Now, (laughs) would you accept a firing from a robot CEO? Uh, no, 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 I don't think I would. Uh, no. No, you would not. I don't think I'd work for a company with a robot CEO. What do we got on elsewhere? Oh, is John back? John, are you unmuted? Hello, can you hear you, me? Yes, you sound awesome now. You sound fantastic. <laughs> All right, great. What do you think about those robot CEOs? Do you think you'd replace yourself as well, captain with a robot? I would love to replace myself so I could go to the beach, hang out, have a uh, martini, not have to work every day. I'm all for the uh, for the uh, for the for the CEO replacement at G Captain. How do how do we arrange that? Well, do you think an AI would have prevented this F-35 from going missing? I think an AI was part of the problem that the I mean the, these are state of the art. Uh, I mean everything's fly by wire now. There are computers and everything. There's likely AI in this. You know, I just found out yesterday reading that book, Chip Wars, that the um, integrated chip that Intel invented, you know, the the X36, you know, chip to make computer, that was invented for the uh, F-14 Tomcat like five or 10 years before. So, um, you know, there's probably AI on the F-35. What do you think? Um, Bobby Digital says it's a stealth plane. It's not supposed to be easy to find. Do you think they'd have like an air tag or something in there though? Like, right? We'd have like our own internal way of finding it. That's what that's what Huntsman said this morning on uh, Twitter. Russ Kennedy said <laughs> uh, they should put an air tag on it. So I just got some from QVC. They had a deal four for seventy bucks plus luggage tags. So it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, Warriors. the problem with that is Apple won't crack the code for them to give them the location. No, he won't. Although, didn't that like that? He didn't that that was like the fight in Oakland, right? Then they cracked the code, and now like the government can have our info whenever. On the Apple, I, I think thought, so. Oh, did they make it through? I think they. I think they gave them that back door, John. Hey, John. Before you came on, we talked to a truck driver. He was home on home time. Truck drivers have long, grueling trips out on the road. They're away from family for a long time, but. Not as often as seafarers. Seafarers have to spend a lot of time out there. Out there, And I want to talk to you today to shine a little light on the plight of our seafarers. What is life at sea really like, John? I'd love to, uh, Abe, Abe, you know, was, I don't know how I'm going to follow him. That was just, that was just great. Um, I can give a little anecdote at first, you know, when I was, um, when my, my eldest son, Jack, was born, um, 
he came a couple days early. It wasn't long, but it was about three days early. And I was out in the middle of the uh, Gulf of Mexico. And it happened to be a Sunday. And uh, there were no helicopters flying. There were no work boats coming out. So my wife gave me a call. It's time. And uh, I, I literally ran up to the helideck on my ship with a, with a radio. And I'm trying all the frequencies. And I see a helicopter owned by Shell in the distance in my binoculars. And I'm looking for the... And I literally called him. I said, my wife's pregnant. Can you land on the ship? And uh, luckily he did. A bit beautiful uh, Sikorsky executive jet. Uh, but I missed it. I missed the birth. And that's what life is like for, for seafarers. You miss these big events. Um, and at that moment, my wife was like, you have to find something shoreside. So that that was the impetus to start G-Captain, you know, to be able to be home more. And now now I work for home. I'm, I've been off the uh, ocean for 10 years. And I can tell you my wife, uh, Cindy, who co-starred, she was our CFO for many years. Uh, now she's, every time there's a good captain's job in the newspaper or a ad for a job, she's like, have you thought about returning back there, John? And like, you know, go take a month off and, uh, and, and join the ship. So that's kind of the dichotomy there. Wow, do cat so like, and that, that's a captain. What about like we showed we showed a cargo ship. We showed a little video of a cargo ship. If you're just a seafarer on there, you're uh, you know a, a, a few years in, you're just a mate on the ship. What is that experience like? Because these are long journeys between the U.S. and China. Right. So for an American uh, seafarer, there is a huge shortage. Uh, the, the rates are absolutely incredible. And the biggest employer is Military Sealift Command. These are the big replenishment tankers that, that give, put avgas onto aircraft carriers and, and moved munitions. They have a huge sign-in bonus right now. And any truckers that are looking to get out of trucking because it's hard, look at Seafarer International Union is kind of a junior uh, um, union and they give you training and there's a huge bonus pays at military sealift command right now and for a u.s sailor it's usually you do three months on and then three months off so you have six months vacation which is fabulous but that's because of these strong unions protecting maritime wages and, and maritime way of life but there are only 80 ships left in the u.s merchant marine that are traveling internationally and because these ships are so efficient now, you don't get much port time. You know, I, part of the reason I joined the Merchant Marine is because guys used to, on these old cargo ships, they'd pull into port and it would take a week to offload. Well, you get off the ship and you're spending a week in the port around the world. Now the turnover in these container ships can be under a day, sometimes 12 hours. So you don't really get the opportunity to get off the ship. And most of these ships are not American ships. Most of them are manned by the Philippines is the largest contingent, followed by um, China, Russia, Ukraine, India. And these guys don't get paid very well on the uh, their shipping companies look for the lowest cost labor. And some of these guys ship out for six to nine months and then may only get a, a week or two off. Um, so considering that 90% of everything we we get comes from these ships and 99% of these mariners come from, uh, you know, are on flag of convenience, non-union ships without many rights or protections. Some of them get paid way less than uh, American minimum wage uh, and they're out there for months at a time. It's, it's really tough life for the, for the families and for the seafarers themselves. You thinking of going out to sea, Chris? Uh, no, but I tell you what, I've got seven kids and some of them that haven't found their uh, career yet. Uh, what does a career path look like for, for somebody coming into it? Career paths, excellent. So in the military, you're familiar with officers um, and enlisted. In the Merchant Marine, we have the same thing, but it's officers and we call them 
unlicensed. So if you, you don't have to go to college, you don't have to do anything. You can start as a uh, unlicensed, similar to enlisted. You join up with Seafarers International Union. You, you go to their academy, Piney Point. It's like a, tra- a trade school. And they get you uh, the basic training you need. You need basic firefighting training, basic survival, how to live in a lifeboat, whatever. And then you get on as an ordinary seaman. And as you move up, you move up to a able-bodied seaman and then potentially to a bosun or work in the engine room, or you can be a cook, a chef. Uh, those are your three opportunities. Um, and then you can study for your license exam and jump over to the officer's union where the pay is really excellent. That's one opportunity. Um, it's called going through the hawse pipe to get up to captain that way. A lot of guys do it, but it takes some self-motivation. The other way is to go to one of our um, maritime academies. There are six state academies where you get in-state tuition and you go to the academy. It's a state college. I went to New York Maritime uh, College and it's just like a state college. But in the summers, instead of getting a time home, you all get on the training ship. And actually, New York's brand new training ship is arriving today. They're having a big party on Friday if you can come up. So the whole school goes on the training ship and goes over to Europe, and that's where you learn to be a mariner. You graduate with a junior officer's license. If you're really smart, you can apply to the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, Kings Point. So we have Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, Coast Guard Academy, um, West Point. There's also uh, the fifth one, Kings Point, U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, and it's a federal service academy, so they pay your entire tuition completely free college, and very few people know about it. So it's not necessarily as competitive as the others because people don't apply, but you get in, and in that case, they pay for your full college, and then afterwards, you don't have to go active duty, but you do have to go uh, naval reserves um, afterwards. So either pipe or you can go officer. Uh, that's that's for United States citizens, and it's different for every country you're in. What happens if you act up? You ever get stuck on bread and water out there at sea? <laughs> well, that's what we joke with the Navy guys. The, the naval uh, commanders are no longer able to put you on bread and water, and mostly because of the, um, you know, they changed that law and the UCMJ, Uniform Code of Military Justice. But the Merchant Marine is so behind and everyone forgets to change the law. Um, you know, a ship captain like myself can still imprison someone and put them on bread and water. I've never had to do that. I've kind of worked for the high spec ships where we have helicopter service. So if, if there was, you know, a guy really uh, did something illegal or, or caused a real problem, we'd bring a helicopter out and, uh, and send them ashore. But uh, for those long international voyages, it, it still does happen because that helicopter can only go out 300 miles. So if you're underway, there's no police to call. There's no fire department. You can't send the helicopter out into the middle of the uh, ocean. There's no doctors. You know, you are the 911 service and you have to deal with all of that onboard ship. I would rather be a security on the boat. Yeah. I want to fight off pirates. Do you? What kind so, of security do they have for that? Do they, do they have guys like Chris yeah. on there? Yeah. So, you know, there was, it used to be that a merchant marine was armed, especially after World War II. And we carried guns on board. If you're on a military contract, you may have small arms and you had to take small arms training to kind of repel uh, pirates. But commercial ships had no uh, arms. Uh, it was kind of, banned in the industry for many years. And then you had Captain Phillips and the Somali pirates. And uh, they tried every way to, to defeat this problem and everything failed. That's why it lasted so long. So finally, they decided that weapons can be on board ship, but only in these pirate areas. So when you're approaching Somalia, um, you'll bring in a uh, boarding party of usually former uh, military guys who bring weapons on board just for that dangerous section of the voyage. And then when you're out of the piracy um, areas, they'll disembark and uh, bring their weapons off with them. Ooh, I took my kids out in Hilton Head a couple of weeks ago. We took a, like a little harbor cruise and some pirates attacked us, but we got to shoot them with the, <laughs> the hoses, like the, the water, the water can. You guys have the water. You ever shot anyone with one of those water cannons? 
I've never shot someone with the water cannon, but we definitely make them available. That's part of your piracy thing is you string them over the side and you run those fire hoses at, at, you know, when you see the pirate boat, you turn it on to make it more difficult for the guys climbing up the grappling hook. What, what happens when something goes wrong? So, like, for example, our buddy Sal, he'd been covering that car fire. There'd been a couple of row-row vessel car fires that had happened. That looked really devastating. Obviously, if you're on that ship, you you got to get off. How What what happens when something goes bad out there? Well, you're your own fire department, police department. You have to do everything on board. Um, so you take firefighting training. It's very basic training. It's it's, I think, a two-week class every five years. And, you know, they have a – Navy has a ship that catches fire and you have to train, you know, putting on the bunker gear and the fire hoses and, and so forth to put out that fire. Um, guys know the ship really well. The ship has fire stations and they have pumps and they have the equipment, you know, the SCBAs, and you train on that. Every week you have to do a simulated fire where you pretend there's a fire and we get out the smoke machines and you know, have to go put it out. But the biggest problem with the ship is some of these ships are absolutely gigantic. Uh, you know, the MERS, new MERS ships are a couple hundred feet bigger than a Navy aircraft carrier. A Navy aircraft carrier has over 5,000 people on board. These MERS megaships only have 20, maybe 22 people on board. So, you know, during the emergency, most of the engineering team has to keep the plant running, keep the pumps running. They're down in the engine room making sure that you have firefighting water and you have all the equipment running, right? And then you have the captain that has to stay up on the bridge doing the communication with shore. He has to have a look at all up there and an officer that's tracking all of the fire incident. And then the, they're the people who are left um, under the first officer and the guys that are available, they will suit out and go to that fire location. But you may only have 10 guys putting out this fire. So what we try to do is called boundary cooling. We lock down the, the area that is in fire and we will spray down the walls to keep that cool and try to keep the fire contained. You know, you don't want the fire to spread. We'll also, it's a sealed space, so you will close down ventilation. So they've had fires in the past where fire starts in one, it gets in the air conditioning ducts and goes into different spots. So we close out ventilation in the doors and we try to contain it. Problem is to make these big, you know, floating parking lots, the row row car carriers more efficient. Um, they did away with this compartmentalization. So you think with the Titanic, it, it got separated in sections so they could one section could sink or catch fire and the other sections wouldn't um, you know, be damaged. What happened in the Titanic is there was so much water in that one section it went and spilled over the bulkheads. Um, we still do that with many types of vessels, but these car carriers, they got rid of the internal divisions so that the cars can can you know be driven all the way forward so once you have a fire in one of those cars there's there's no compartmentalization there's no walls to stop the fire that spreads very rapidly wow that sounds like a nightmare to be stuck on a ship like that now you posted a picture the other day and you said it was your favorite photo of the last decade and i wanted to know why right that's the hospital ship uh the, the comfort i mean you know they the, that's, I mean, I'm choking up a little bit here, Don, dude, yeah. but, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, the, the vessel of hope, right? I mean, we talk about the Navy warships and protecting uh, against pirates, protecting areas, you know, doing warfare stuff, but this is a hospital ship. You know, whenever there's a, a tsunami or a hurricane somewhere, think uh, Hurricane uh, Maria or, you know, the Maui fires, uh, I was begging them to, hey, everyone was trying to escape via truck. Why didn't the Coast Guard bring in fireboats? Why didn't they bring in sea lift to get these um, people out? Um, this this ship is our, our hospital ship. We have the Comfort on the East Coast and the Mercy on the West Coast. These are ancient ships. They're over 40 years old. They really need to be replaced. But, I mean, this is, you know, when you're in a disaster zone or in a war zone, um, 
this is what you're looking for when you're injured, right? I, w- I was asking the Navy, can we send this to the Black Sea for the, for the Ukrainian victims? Because these are protected under international convention. Warships are not allowed to attack the hospital ships, but they have surgery booths on there. It's, it's something, I think it's the third largest emergency room in the country when it's activated, when we use it. Um, so it's just, and not only is there the government hospital ships, but mercy ships. I, I recommend everyone go to mercy ships. There are these hospital ships that are done by a nonprofit. They just built a brand new one and they go to all these port cities in Africa and anyone who has, um, you know, has surgical problems, especially these people who have tumors on their face and, and they're spreading around this hospital. Mercy ship will go into that zone with doctors and provide that surgical care free of charge to residents or, um, you know, people around the world. And that's a nonprofit. And then the government does that, um, you know, the, the government vessels for humanitarian and, and war. Well, hey, a little cowbell for those kind words for the mercy and the comfort, those ships. John, incredible stuff, as always, on the show. How do people go and follow you and follow G-Captain? Right, gcaptain.com and gcaptain on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. And then my own account is John Conrad, uh, and I'm I'm primarily over at Twitter. John, thank you so much for your time. Have a great week. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. John's the best. Yeah, I'm going to connect with him. You're going to call? You're sending him a uh, connection right now? Yeah, why not? Smart move. Elsewhere. This is Sparta! Just knock that. Can you roll that one more time? <laughs> Gonzalez was too busy on his cell phone here. Look at this girl. She's dancing right here in this dog. <laughs> took her, I need that took, dog. Took her right out, man. Like, did I read this? No, no ride, no app, no problem. With Uber Central and Uber for Business, you can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the trailer. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support and easy-to-use dashboard. Learn more at uberforbusiness.com. And attention, tuck truck Attention tank truck industry carriers, private fleets, and suppliers. Have you registered for this October's Tank Truck Week 2023? It's the largest tank truck uh, event in North America for cutting-edge innovation, powerhouse networking, and keeping up with industry trends and insights, content and value for executive safety, HR, maintenance, tank wash, purchasing, and more. Help drive the tank truck industry forward October 8th through 11th this year in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's worth sending a representative. Register today at tanktruck.org slash tanktruckweek. Maybe you can take Pee Wee there. Yeah, it's two hours from my house. All might, right. He might go. Bring him down. In the meantime, we'll meet Victor Lewis. He's a founder over at Load Secure Systems. Victor, nice to meet you, sir. Very nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me on. Where are you coming in from? I'm coming in from Cincinnati. Oh, this gentleman is from Cincinnati, too. A couple Reds fans here. We're Mil- we're Mil- yeah. What part of Cincinnati are you at? I'm, I'm actually downtown. Ah. Yeah. He's going to have to come to my shooting tournament coming in October. Yeah, you got a box. Ooh, the Reds. You I, got you a- I, I just bought a, uh, a thermal scope for one of my rifles, and oh. um, I've been playing that the past week. It's pretty fun. We're, we're having an archery, pistol, and shotgun tournament over at the VFW post in Loveland, Ohio on October 20th. Okay. Right around the corner from where I live. Yep. Check out my LinkedIn, and you'll be able to see the link to it. Yeah, you two should talk after the show. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. Definitely. <laughs> well, one of the things you could talk about at that, that shoot-off is what Load Secure Systems is. For those of us who haven't met you before, what is Load Secure Systems, Victor? So Load Secure Systems is a technology platform. Um, I've been around in freight brokerage and in uh, as a shipper, as a distributor, and I've seen a lot of the problems that we have in transportation and the number one question that is asked to us is, where is the truck? No one can find out where their trucks are in real time. Um, a lot of the platforms that are out there, uh, they don't generate the compliance that we'd like to see. Um, so years ago, I started developing a system that could drive compliance. And we put the onus on us as a transportation company, to, or as a, I'm sorry, as a software company, to ensure that these trucks are going to be on tracking. Um, so I developed this system, it's called Load Secure. Uh, we've been, with the shippers and with the brokers that we've been working with, we've been generating over 95% compliancy. Um, just a couple of years ago, then we started looking into digital documentation as well. Uh, the second question that gets asked to us a lot is, where's their paperwork? 
And it's been really hard to not only track all the paperwork down that goes through uh, this whole process, but you have individuals that have to recapture it. You have individuals that need to make phone calls and get the correct paperwork. And it just becomes kind of a nightmare, not only for um, us as a, not only for companies, but for cash flow as well. Chris, what's harder to find, um, trucking paperwork or an F-35? All pages of the paperwork are just partial. <laughs> just all pages. <laughs> it can be tough. I'd go with the F-35 if you're looking for all pages. If you're looking for all pages. How, how, Victor, how does it work? How does it run? So, so the biggest enemy in this whole system is the print button. We have a process where shippers will input all their data uh, into a bill of sale. That bill of sale gets transferred into a bill of lading, and then somebody in the transportation department presses the print button. Right when the print button gets pressed, it takes a digital signal and makes it analog. That driver will go sometimes across the country with this paperwork, and then it gets signed on with a scribble. Like imagine we're, we're seeing $50,000, $100,000 loads getting transacted with a simple scribble. It, it doesn't make any sense. And what kind of blows my mind in this whole process is if you've ever bought a property, think about all the paperwork you have to sign. And really, there's no difference in transacting a property in many respects as it is to transporting cargo. Both of them are considered property. So the challenging part was as when I worked in the brokerage industry, I would see paperwork that would come back to us and you never know who signed it. You never know when it was signed, um, and you just always worried that there was insecurity with that. So with the digital documentation process, a carrier goes in, they check in digitally, all of their bill of lading gets pushed to our cell phone app, they go into a delivery, and the, dry, or the receivers are then able to sign uh, for the paperwork digitally. So they scan a QR code on the driver's phone, it appears the bill of lading, they sign for it, and it kicks it all the way back through um, the documentation process, right back to the shipper, you know, through the broker, if there's a broker involved in the shipment. Um, and we even have it so that it'll generate invoicing automatically and send it right to um, the receiver. So you're the founder of this company. Do you remember the day you're walking around and you're like, we need load secure systems. It's time to start a yeah. company. Yes. Uh -huh. I was working with a provider and what, what happened with the market that a lot of people don't understand is years ago, you could track someone three different ways. You could track via cellular triangulation, you could track via GPS, global positioning satellite, or you could track via cell data. And the problem was, I'd say four years ago, the FCC started restricting cellular triangulation. That's how most of the tracking was done on the market, especially on the spot market, um, I had a, you know, I, you find a truck off a load board and get them moving. Um, so the issue was the FCC restricted all that cellular triangulation and the providers then had to push either to ELDs via satellite or ELDs um, via cellular data or cell phone data via, or a cell phone via cell phone data. So. The issue I think a lot of the companies were having on the market is driving compliance, making sure that every single truck is on tracking without any issues. Um, and as my part in working at a freight brokerage and then working for shippers as well, seeing that there are ways to do this and we have to put the onus on the technology to be simple, to be accurate, to be something that uh, only takes just a few minutes to get on somebody's cell phone. Um, the flip side of that, when we started working with documentation, I noticed that we were just getting constant phone calls, um, as a shipper, or we were having to make constant phone calls to our brokers and say, Hey, where are like, I need this documentation and I need it in real time. And what we started noticing was we already have drivers connected to our platform. They're connected, right? via our cell phone. What other things can we do with them? What other business, um, what other ways can we improve our business? And digital documentation just made sense. And it was not hard to implement across the board, to be very honest. You know, I know, but do you like remember the day? Like take us inside your head. 
Do you remember like uh, it would have been it would have been February of 19, I believe. And yeah, it was I remember the phone call. It was uh it was <laughs> uh basically I'm gonna figure this out on my own. Like that that was the end of the phone call. I was getting out of a contract and I said, I'm gonna find out a way to do this. And I ventured down a rabbit hole that um turned into a business, very honestly. It was not something I anticipated doing, but uh, it's worked out so far so well for us. Chris, what do you think the hardest problem he'll have to solve is? Solving for, for trucking companies? Yeah, with what he's doing. Whew, that's a tough one. Just getting uh, people to even want digital? <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the biggest things you have to solve in trucking is, is just the human aspect. Yeah. It's not so yeah. much the tracking and everything else, but it's the, okay, the guy's got four hours left. He'll be there on time. He's got the hours. But what stops him from making a judgment call on stopping earlier and not communicating? I think that's a lot of the, the, the solving pieces there, right? Trying to get a little bit smarter of here's your information. Now how do I kind of throw in some hu human judgment into that? So with our system, we track real time. Um, it's a proprietary system that we very rarely have drivers disconnect from tracking once they are on tracking. So what happens is, is if a driver is running late for a shipment, uh, let's say he has to deliver in Chicago in four hours and he does stop for a break and we notice that he's gonna be running behind. What we do is we provide a real time alert for the shipper. So on the shipper's dashboard or in the shipper's email or even up to the shipper's cell phone, they'll get, they can get a text message that tells them this driver's not gonna be on time or there's a danger that this driver won't be on time. So by giving somebody all the alerts in real time, it enables them to make the right adjustments and if they need to make a phone call right away, they're able to do so. Working as a broker, one of the things that I noticed was a problem was we had to make our check calls at 8 a.m. in the morning. Well, a lot of drivers aren't up at 8 a.m. or they've been driving all night and they just went down to sleep. And if they forget to make a check call to you, you might not hear from them until the afternoon. So with this technology, we're able to scan an entire platform and say, OK, these guys are all going to be on time. There's a danger that these couple trucks might not be on time and these trucks are running late. That gives you the ability to prioritize your check calls. It gives you the ability to um, to kind of organize your day better. Victor, very cool, very cool. We're a little short on time. How would people go out and learn more about this? How do they get a demo, and how do they see what y'all do? Yeah, you can check us out at loadsecure.com or give us a call at 888-304-3530. Victor, thank you so much for your time today. Take care, buddy. Keep tracking the loot. Take it easy. All right, now I've been covering delivery robots a lot on this show, Chris. Uh, in Hollywood, they've deployed uh, these delivery robots. If we can, we'll skip Giuseppe. We'll go to Fair or Foul. Yeah, let's take a look at what you think of this. Your audio listeners, she just bent down and she just licked the delivery robot in uh, Hollywood. These things are, are running around. They're bringing you your Uber Eats. Oh, wow. Um, I've actually, I saw one. I was in Vegas uh, about a couple months ago and I, I saw one going down the road in Vegas and I thought it was the craziest thing ever. But, you know, I mean, that's delivery is a high expense. And if you have a way to be able to cut it down with a robot and the robot becomes inexpensive, it might not be a bad thing. Okay, but how do we feel about licking delivery robots in Hollywood? Um... I want her number. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I guess it depends on who's doing the licking. Um, how about on this one? Look at this. Little teamwork makes a dream work. Great to strap work. Look at this guy. This Dre driver got himself in a little trouble. Fell on the cliff. And look at this. He's got a chain attached to the back of that can to one of these other trucks. And they're going to see if they can pull it up. get him out of here. We got any volume on that? Maybe. He's moving it. Does yeah. it surprise you? You think they'd be able to do it? I think they can. They did some nice work over there. I'm going to give that a 10 out of 10 for putting the, for putting the team together. <laughs> I always love the, uh, the overturned flatbedders with a, with a 45,000 you know, coil on the back. Yes. Trucks upside down, but they're proud because the coil is still in place. 
Now, you ever get any trouble with the, the rap? Let's rate the rap work over here. What's going on in this warehouse? This guy's on a forklift, and he's wrapped himself <laughs> to a pallet load, and they're, they're doing a little circles. I don't think OSHA would... Oh, OSHA would appreciate yeah. it. I don't know what it's worth, him falling or the crack right before it. <laughs> yeah, because you, you know both are going to be you bad. You can see his crack. Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, there we go. Uh, hopefully, like, nothing, you know, no juices comes out of him, because those would get stuck right to there. That would be brutal. That's why they're banning Crocs on the dogs, because of people like that. <laughs> hey, you know what's up? The Freytech 100 has been announced. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know if uh, F2F Transport's on there. Do we have the whole list of uh, 100? Did I put that one? There we go. There's a whole bunch of AIT Worldwide's one. We've got Freightvana, Gatic. I can't go through all these. Project 44. Uh, Amazon's on here. All right, ArcBest, Derive Logistics. we got C3 Solutions. Exo, Emerge, Motive, OneRail, Pallet Trader. Let's do the Fs. Yeah, I don't know if you guys made it. Nope. No, freight no. did. Workites did. Flow Space, Flock Freight, Uptake, XBO, Triumph Pay. Whole bunch last year, the top five were Project 44, Platinum Science, Flexport, Convoy, and Forkites. You think we see anybody new in the top uh, top five this year? Uh, go back to that list again. Sure. Got it right here. Trying to see one that... Uh, sticks out to you? Yeah, that sticks out to me there. That robotics, obviously, we're going down that. You're going down that with the CEOs? the CEOs and everything. Well, hey, we're just about out of time. You can go get that whole article on Freightways.com. You can make your own decisions. And uh, some of you, can you vote? I'm not sure if you can vote on the Freight Tech 25. I'm not a voter, but maybe you good people. I'm not sure. Go to Freightways.com find out. Where do people find you? Uh, they can find me on basically my LinkedIn page at Chris Gonzalez. They can find me at F2F.com, Max Trans Logistics. And if you're a broker interesting, you can go to careers.mtllogistics.com. Hey, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find the show wherever you get your podcast. Just to go up with the truck or find us on Freightways YouTube channel. Take care. Don't be a stranger. Thank you for your time today, Chris.